0: John, chapter 15, verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command love each other. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Good evening. Well, that was half a good evening. Good evening. evening. Lovely to see you. Let's pray that God would speak to us through his word. Would you join me in prayer? Father God, thank you for your word before us tonight. And as we open it up together, we pray that you would open it up to us. Send your Holy Spirit. Give us understanding. Change our lives as we hear your words again. And help me as I speak to lift you up, Jesus. We pray together in your name. Amen. So you're going to find it helpful if you could find the reading and have it in front of you, John chapter 15. It may be very familiar to you, but it's always good to check that the preacher isn't making it up. And we're going through these chapters in John's gospel. And I've called tonight's talk... Following Jesus securely in a hostile world. Following Jesus securely in a hostile world. One of the ways that we can bring Scripture alive when we're reading it on our own is to imagine yourself into the shoes, or should it be sandals, of some of the players. This is a very well-known way of reading Scripture and if you were to imagine as i did in preparing this just for a moment put yourself in the place of jesus and think about so why is he talking to the disciples about the true vine etc cetera, etc cetera? and one very big advantage happened from my point of view as i did this i realized something i may not have clocked on before that he has in his awareness But the time is coming very soon when he's going to be put to death. And his closest friends are all around him. They've been with him for three years. He knows them inside out. He knows how frail they are. He knows their characters. He knows where the temptations lie for them. And he's concerned for them. In fact, it's amazing that facing execution as he does, really his thoughts are not on himself at all. He's trying to equip this group so that they won't go to pieces in light of the events that are going to happen. And of course, it's going to be desperately difficult for them because they're going to see Jesus suffer. They're going to face enormous suffering themselves because it's not like the people who opposed Jesus, the moment Jesus was crucified, they kind of downed towards and thought, that's it, game over. Their hostility Jesus' followers would continue. And then they have another layer on top of that. They're going to be grief-stricken. And if you've ever been in grief, you know that just completely wallops you. You can't see the world easily at all. And so it seems to me that what Jesus is doing in this particular chapter is he's furnishing his followers with hope. He's giving them secure footholds. In the path of the future of their life, which if they cling on to, they'll be able to endure. More than that, it's really that he's telling them, this is how you can experience life to the full, whatever is thrown at you. And uh, that's good for us to know. So it's going to be helpful for us, because I think we still live in a hostile world. I think if you follow Jesus faithfully, you will know from time to time how confusing it is. You will know. The force of opposition you will know you're tested and so what we're going to do is we're going to look at a number of nuggets that Jesus gives us to help us through and the first one comes in verse well the very first verse I am the true vine just that little statement I am the true vine now a word of explanation if we can have our next slide. We don't, I don't often do this slide business but here we are. If you look at these shapes, probably all apart from one, the blue one, or purple one, <laughs> thank you for the heckler in the front row, known as Ollie, throughout the world now. You, you see that shape, you know, of, of, I don't even want to give them free advertising but you know, the golden arches. And you don't need me to tell you what that stands for. You know, probably. And you look at all these others. For the listener on the internet, there's an apple up there. <laughs> and you know, instantly, we don't, you, you, we don't even have to verbalize. You, that's the whole point of a logo, really, isn't it? You see it and you make the connection, bang. And the one that's unfamiliar to you of those two characters carrying some grapes. Well, that would have connected instantly with the listeners to Jesus. Because if you like, one of the logos in the Old Testament is the vine. And it's used as a picture quite often in the Old Testament. If you want one stellar passage, you turn to Isaiah 5, and you find it there. But God talks about his people as the vine as a vine as a vineyard that he looks after and when jesus starts this group of sayings and he says i am the true vine he's like underlying his identity he's like saying remember this is god himself and his name is jesus christ remember who's talking to you the all-powerful god that song that we sang just now what a wonderful name nothing compares to this sometimes I think we take it for granted because familiarity has made us so familiar with this idea that Jesus Christ is Lord well he is Lord he's Lord of my life he can be Lord of your life And if he is, you connect to him as the true vine. This is not just the sayings of Rupert. This is not just some political power player. This is God himself talking to his friends. That's what Jesus is saying right at the beginning. So the first point of encouragement for us is remember who you're following. You're not following someone who's limited in any way. You're not following someone whose name will ever be forgotten etc etc and by now the disciples do believe in him this these sayings of Jesus in chapter 15 are spoken to believers he says you're already clean because of the word spoken to you in other words they will they accept him as Lord and they have good reasons for that of course the convincing proofs he's given his teaching, his constant kindness. But that's the very first thing. Remember who you're following. Here's a second encouragement and command. I would summarize it like this. Stay close to Jesus. In fact, if I want to give you a pithy heading, it would be this. If you want to go far with God, Stay close to Jesus. Now, the key word, sometimes in Scripture, one of the ways that the writers get a point across is they just repeat it over and over and over again. So any preacher worth his salt reading from verse 4 would spot the key word. But in case you need a highlight, we'll move on to the next slide. And even if you can't see the words because they're too small, you will be able to see that there is some word highlighted many, many times. And I will, I'll break it to you what that word is, remain. The word remain, it, it's so repetitious. I'll read it. Remain in me, says Jesus, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you're the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burnt. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be given to you. Now, remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I obeyed my father's commands and remain in his love. Do you think Jesus is trying to make a point here? Of course he is. Of course he is. He, he is saying over and over and over again to ask his followers, stick close. An old-fashioned translation is, abide in my love. Don't stray from it. Remain close to me. And he has this pretty obvious picture, really, of the, the tendrils of a vine the branches of a vine growing out from the main stem and he says you want to be like that, so close like that to me, to Jesus and of course when I read that over and over and over again I kind of feel I want to ask well how how and the answer is given in the passage at least in part and it's The word obedience, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. This is very close to what Stuart was saying last week about the Holy Spirit. If we're obedient to what Jesus says, we will know more and more and more of the Holy Spirit's strength. Are there any consequences of not obeying Jesus' commands? Well, yes, in this passage, he says so. If you don't obey his commands, then you'll be snipped off the vine. or that You won't be able to do anything. He says, without, without me, you can do nothing. Nothing worthwhile. You can't be building God's kingdom without being connected to the king. Any other tips how to stay close? Yes, this... I find this very challenging because, precisely because it's not rocket science. If it was very, very difficult, we could all say, oh, this is beyond me. But what challenges me, it's within our grasp to stay close. And here are the things that will help you and me to stay close. Stay close to God's word. How do you know what God has commanded you? It's in his word. One of the reasons I read the scriptures is to discover God's commands and then to try and obey them. Second, stay close to God's people. One of the reasons we love to recommend small groups here is write down the history of the church. People who follow Christ need the fellowship, the help, the encouragement, the correction, the honesty of other followers of Jesus Christ. Stay close to God's word. Stay close to God's people. And when he speaks to you, say yes. I will always remember that when my wife Liz and I moved to Oxford to start working for a church there, we started a small group, and the small group met in our house, and the first week, you know, we were in a new city, and the first week, I think, about 14 people came, and the second week, about 14 people came, and the third week, one of them didn't show up, and the fourth week, the same chap didn't show up. And the fifth week, he didn't show up. And the sixth week, he didn't show up. And about week 10, he came back. And I remember this. What was so strange about it was, he said, I'm sorry I haven't been with you for the missing weeks. But the thing is, I came for two weeks. And I learned so much in two weeks. I decided that until I was obedient, to what I'd learned in those two weeks. There wasn't much point in coming back. Hello. (laughs) Might have an empty church next week. (laughs) (laughs) It's quite refreshing, that, isn't it? I I feel all of us, or many of us, know much more than we actually live out. It's like my computer is so much more capable of doing things, I don't even scratch the surface. if you've walked this walk of following Christ you know a great deal about it the question is what do you live out how obedient are you to what you know well I want to encourage you I'm not trying to in any way discourage us I'm trying to point out the hallmark of love is obedience and the dividend one of the dividends is you'll stay close to Jesus that way okay let's move on so I've Talked about the true vine, who he is, the need to stay close, otherwise you will wither. And here's a third thing, which is a strange way of encouraging us. This constant gardener loves pruning. This constant gardener loves pruning. And here's what Jesus says he does. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so it will be even more fruitful. And it seems to me that when you follow Christ, he is relentlessly pruning you and me, not because he doesn't love us, but because he does. And the two ways he prunes you, he's looking for two things in your life and my life. He is looking for a fruit. We're told right away way through this that the hallmark of being a disciple, and we'll come back to this later, is you bear fruit for God. So anything that he can do to make us more fruitful, he will do. But you have to hold in your mind something else is going on as well. Because it's not just like he is a taskmaster trying to see my productivity. He's also, at the very same time, equally grafting his character into you and to me. He's as interested in what he can put into you as what he can get out of you. And it's a lifelong process of becoming more Christ-like, more full of love, more full of patience, more full of kindness, more full of long-suffering, more full of generosity. And if he needs to snip off you and me and refine us and shape us and remold us, Bring it on. This is what God does with us. And it's encouraging to think that, it's encouraging to think that, that God is on our case. And here's something else, no experience is ever wasted. When God is walking with you, very often we walk through experiences we really would so much rather not have had. But if you turn them to Christ, And say, Lord, what can I learn from you in this? How can I become more like you in this? He will use it. That was a disciple's experience. It can be your and my experience. And you can follow Jesus securely in a hostile world when you know that. And just notice in passing, well, maybe it's worth not passing. Just notice that there are promises thrown into this passage as a result of following Christ faithfully. One of them is joy. In verse 11, I've told you this, what, what's this? I've told you to obey my commands so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Now, friends, this isn't something you would guess because sometimes Jesus' commands look daunting. Sometimes they, they, they don't look to me as if they would be the path to joy. But they are when you try them. So let me give you an example of what I mean. Many people, not everyone, but many people find the idea of being generous with their possessions very difficult. And the idea of actually tithing, giving away 10%, let's say, or more. Not everyone, but some people find that really hard. But many is the person who, out of obedience, says, yes, Lord, and does it. And then, in time, their story, nearly always, as far as I can see, is they agree with Jesus. This is a way to a healthy life. This is a way to a joy-filled life. Let me give you another example. Forgiveness. Just over lunchtime, I was talking to a friend, and some very tricky things have happened in his life. And he said, I find forgiveness so hard. And we were just talking about it, and saying, I know it's hard, but that is the way to joy. You, you don't have an option in this in the sense that if you're trying to follow Christ, Christ has commanded us to forgive. Here's another one. Sharing your faith. We all know that Jesus has commanded us to share his love and our faith. But many of us are afraid of doing that. Many of us go shy when it comes to doing that. Many of us think, oh gosh, if I stick my neck on the line, all sorts of bad things might happen. Till you try it, and then you discover. It. It's like in every single area. But I guess in this particular passage, what Jesus says is, my command is this, love one another. And then he says, greater love has no one than this to lay down your life for your friends. And that doesn't sound necessarily like uh, the pathway to joy but it is and when I read this when I first read it greater love has this no one than this to lay down your life for your friends I think I've often thought of the cross and thought of Jesus laying down his life not even for his friends for his enemies well of course it does mean that but I think most of us would say I don't feel physical martyrdom is likely to come my way then I was thinking But actually, in the last few months, I've met many, many people who are laying down their lives for their friends in this country. I've met someone whose child is now a heroin addict, and they've taken upon themselves, in what could have been their comfortable retirement, not to do that, not to retire comfortably, but to commit to doing everything they can, looking after their son in trouble and their grandchildren who are in trouble. I think they've laid down their lives for their friends. I think of uh, another friend, again, whose children, uh, or, or one of them, got in the grip of substance abuse, did the same thing. I think of many friends of mine whose parents have dementia or who are suffering in their old age. And in a very unspectacular way, but a very real way, They lay down their lives to look after their relatives or their friends. And it starts with small things. This attitude of life, it just starts with small things to serve one another. It's a day of little decisions, really, that lead to bigger ones. And what you discover is very odd, but joy comes from it. Because it's what God has asked us to do. So he says, I'm telling you these things so my joy can be in you. And he also says, if you live like this, verse 15, you'll have friendship with God. And he defines friendship in verse 15 very interestingly. He says, I'm not going to call you servants anymore because servants don't know what their master's up to. But I'm calling you my friends because I'm revealing everything to you. I am not keeping any secrets from you at all. And let me say, It's so encouraging to meet. When you meet people who are walking in obedience with Jesus Christ, it's like they have their ear to God's voice. It's like when God whispers, they know what he says. It's like that God is sharing his heart with them because he wants to share his heart with his children, but he can't if we're being disobedient to him. And Jesus says, walk with me, trust me, obey me, and you'll know joy and you'll know friendship whatever's going on in the hostile world. Which brings us on to verse 16, and the big three encouragements. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And I absolutely love this verse, because it is so powerfully full of reassuring thoughts. And the first one is this, We didn't choose to follow Jesus Christ in the sense that it wasn't our original idea. It was his original idea. With the disciples, he called them by name. We know the story. We know how he did it. He picked them out. And I think everyone agrees looking at the disciples. They were remarkably ordinary. The thing that they stand out for is not being special before they were called. And one of the things that's often a challenge to people in Cambridge is they arrive here and then they realize everyone else, if they're in the students, I've never been a student in Cambridge, so I couldn't really speak from first experience, but many who do arrive have felt fraudulent. They felt maybe I was selected to be here uh, on false pretenses. Maybe they never sussed me out at interview and they not realize that I'm very, very ordinary. But well, God doesn't make mistakes. Jesus doesn't make mistakes. And if from time to time you think, why on earth did you call me Jesus? Why on earth did you want me on your team? I can tell you the answer. He loves you. He loves you. And he doesn't love you because of anything you've done. He doesn't love you because of where you've come from. He doesn't love you because you're rich or because you're poor. He doesn't love you for what you're gonna do in the future or what you've done in the past. He set his love on you because he loves you. He's free to do that and he does it and he doesn't make mistakes. So there'll never be a day that you and I can wake up and say, Lord, it was a mistake that you called me If only you'd known what I was really like. Or Lord, if you, because you do know, if you know how I've behaved the last couple of months or the last couple of years, I'm sure you can't still love me. Jesus loves us forever. So the first thing is he chooses us. Secondly, he appoints us to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And this word appoint means he equips us. He's going to send us out to build his kingdom, to make his name known, to share his love, to to turn the world the right way up. But we can't do it in our own strength. The disciples couldn't do it in their own strength. So he says, I've chosen you. I've appointed you. I've shaped you for this. I've given my Holy Spirit to you. I've empowered you for this. And thirdly, he's saying your life can make a difference. You're going to make fruit that will last. How do you feel about that? I think that's enormously encouraging for every single one of us, every single one of us. I get to hear wonderful stories uh, from time to time of how people have been blessed by other members of Holy Trinity, of how our lives literally one-on-one, are making a difference, often in small groups, but not always in small groups. Over recent weeks, we've heard of many, many people coming in to worship in this church who have connected with Jesus Christ for the first time and given their lives to following Jesus. And it's because they've experienced the love of God, the worship of God, the presence of God. It's what we exist for here in this place. That is our mission, to make Jesus known, to share his love. And that's Jesus' ambition for us. It's his purpose for us. I love it that he's called us to follow him with a purpose, a lifelong purpose. I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit that will last. And I sometimes think we just do well to remember this. However much some people make a splash in the world and are successful in the world, and there's nothing wrong with that at all, They will have missed the point unless they harness their gifts, their skills, their resources to fulfilling God's purposes. Because he would love us on his team to bear fruit that will last. Are you up for that? Of course we are. Of course we are. It's what we do together. So there we are. These are the encouragements that I've seen in this passage. I know there are some more. But I hope we remember them because they're not going to go away. Jesus is not going to go away. Whatever, however hostile the world is, however confusing it is, however difficult the path right now, he still is going to work in our lives. He has commissioned us, appointed us, and expects us to be fruitful. Shall we just pray together? Lord Jesus, thank you that you are the true vine and thank you that you've invited us to be the branches living really close to you, receiving strength and purpose and resource from you. We pray that all the things we've read about in this passage would become more and more true in our lives. We want to be obedient to you We want to know what friendship with you is like. We want to know the joy of your presence with us. And of course, we love to be anointed and appointed by you and really fruitful for your kingdom. So we say to you, yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.